Well, hey, how we doing, guys? Awesome. Somebody's doing great. I like that person. Uh, man, we're so happy you guys are here. Thanks for joining us this Labor Day weekend. Hope it has been just a blessing to you and that tomorrow, God, just, just overwhelms you with this goodness, man. I just want to say this is an exciting season as we get ready to jump into our fall season. You don't want to miss jumping into small groups. We've got CP Kids kicking off. We've got a new preteen space launching next week. We've got student ministries kicking back off. And man, God has got some exciting things in store for, for what this body of believers are doing here in West Michigan across the world. So make sure you jump in with both feet to what God has in store for this fall. And so I want you guys to grab your Bibles and let's go to the book of Acts chapter 9. And so we're wrapping up a series called Encounter where we have been walking through different stories looking at people's encounters with Jesus. Siri's talking to me apparently. Fantastic. Awesome. Never happened before, but it just keeps doing it. So that's awesome. Lovely technology. So we're looking at this series, Encounters, seeing how people encounter Jesus Christ, what happens in that moment, how they respond, and how they're transformed because of their encounter with Jesus. And our hope through this entire series is that you realize that you have this unique opportunity to encounter Jesus, to respond to him, and to be transformed into the followers that Jesus has called you and made you to be. And so as we wrap this wrap up this series, we're going to be looking at the story of Saul. And some of you guys may know him as Paul. He, some people talk about his conversion, that he gets a new name. Well, really what's happening in the story is Saul is Paul. He has this Hebrew ancestry, yet he was born in this Hellenistic and this Roman culture. And so depending on who he's around, he would be called Saul, or he would call himself Saul, or Paul, as we see in the text. But we're going to jump into this story. I'm going to pray for us that we would encounter Jesus through the story of Saul and that we would be transformed because of them. So God, thank you for today. God, we thank you for your presence here this morning. God, that we get to remind ourselves that you are faithful in every situation, that God, you show up in powerful ways, God, that you remind us of your goodness through other people's stories, through the moments where you whisper to us, through the reading of your word, through focusing on you through worship. So God, would you show up? Would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? And may we be transformed to follow after you, Jesus, everywhere we go. We love you. We thank you for Jesus, our Savior. It's in his name we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen. Well, in Acts chapter 9, we're going to pick up the story invite you to read along with me. There should be some Bibles around if you'd like to grab one. Acts chapter 9, starting in verse 1. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, followers of Jesus, is what that means, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, but rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. And the men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. 
Now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying, and he has seen, a vision, seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered him, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here, he, and here he has the authority from Jerusalem and the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is cho- a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Jesus in the synagogues saying, he is the son of God. And all who heard him were amazed and said, is not this the man who made havoc in Jerusalem? And of those who called upon his name, and has he not come here for this purpose, to bring them bound before the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that Jesus was the Christ. This story of Saul is really interesting because you have a man who stood strong in his beliefs You have a man who had this training and this understanding of the Jewish culture and the Hebrew scriptures. This man who devoted his life to a particular thing, and then suddenly it's changed. Suddenly his encounter with Jesus radically transforms who he is and what he does. Now I don't know about you guys in the room, but does anybody like to be wrong? Little, little chuckles here. No, we don't like to be wrong. The best is whenever you're like, think you're writing you're, and you're telling the story, you're explaining this thing, and then all of a sudden your, your lovely daughter who's nine and just precious pulls out a phone or an iPad and Googles it and says, Dad, this lovely phrase she says, well, actually, like, what? No, that's not right. Just because the Google says it doesn't mean it's right. Usually she ends up being right, and I had some sort of, you know, partial truth, if you will. But we don't like to be wrong. We don't like to be corrected because that forces a change. It forces our, and changes our understanding and what we're talking about, what we're thinking about. And when we see the man Saul comes to terms with who Jesus is, his life is radically changed, radically transformed. That is our hope for you, that you would encounter Jesus today through his word. You would have an understanding of the gospel the good news of what God has done to redeem you and restore you so that you could live transformed, following after Jesus in every area of your life. But to get a better understanding of who Saul is, we need to just kind of jump back a little bit. Remember his story. In Acts chapter 7, there's a man named Stephen who's encountered Jesus and his life is radically changed. And he begins to proclaim the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is, This caused an uproar in the community and he was brought before uh, a council of people and they began to despise him because what he was doing was starting with Abraham, 
walking through the story of Moses and King David and Solomon and on, he is showing the Hebrew people this is what it's all been about. Every story and every person that we have followed is pointing to Jesus. Is pointing to Jesus as the Messiah, as the Savior. Their understanding was challenged. Their thinking about who God was and how God works was being turned around because they no longer had to perform in a certain way that they would be accepted by God. But in fact, God came to be the sacrifice for them so that they could have access to God the Father forever. Jesus comes to be that Messiah, that Savior for them. This went against everything they knew. And standing in the shadows of this scene is Saul. The uproar continues to rise. The people grab stones and they look at Stephen and they say, we have to snuff out this heretic, this man who is telling lies. And they began to stone him. And as they stoned him, the guys would pick up stones, they would take off their cloaks, and they would put them on the arm of this man named Saul. Saul, in that moment, heard the gospel loud and clear, but it offended him. It offended the people that were around him so much that they went to murder someone who was proclaiming truth about who Jesus is. That spark, that moment, sent Saul on a rampage. In fact, the the title in chapter 8 says, Saul ravages the church. He has now dedicated his life to doing whatever he can to remove and shut the mouths of the people who follow Jesus. Whatever it takes, at whatever cost, he will imprison, persecute, and harm those who would lift up the name of Jesus. This has become the source of his life. And we see in the passage, actually, it says, and he still breathing threats. The the understanding of this word is that the source of his life is to bring these threats to fruition. That his life source, just like the air we breathe in our lungs, is the persecution of the followers of Jesus. There is a man whose course is set, whose heart is fixed on one thing only. But it's only when he encounters Jesus does something begin to change. If you're taking notes, I want you to understand something today. That the light of the gospel will offend you or it will fuel you. The light of the gospel will either offend you or it will be the thing that fuels you. Because it is offensive. It is essentially saying you are not in control. You are not the one that has to have your source and your strength figured out to get into a relationship with God. The gospel is the good news of what God has done through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection to pay the price for our sins so that we can walk in relationship with God the Father. This flew in the face of the cultural understanding of how God operated in the the transactional and the economy of the Hebrew scriptures. What we come to find out is Jesus fulfills those. That he is the way, the truth, and the life. But Saul wanted nothing to do with it. It offended him. And in that offense, he did whatever he can to snuff it out. But what we see happen is that Jesus speaks up. He shows up. This light appears on the road to Damascus. And it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
Saul's response is, is interesting because he says, Lord, who are you? He thought he was trying to harm other people. But what he was trying to do was to say, Jesus, you are not the way, you are not the truth, and you're not the life. And Jesus tells Saul, you are persecuting me. And it's in that moment, that encounter, that Saul begins to change. Saul begins to respond differently. And what we know about Saul is that he goes on to write half of the New Testament. Letters to Galatians and Ephesians and to Romans, to Corinthian, to the Corinthian church. And every one of those becomes a gospel-saturated letter to help people recognize the goodness and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. The sufficiency of the gospel. And what we're seeing happen in the life of Saul is this moving from self that I'm in control, that I've got it figured out, and I've got to play my part, to I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to allow the good news of the gospel be sufficient for me to be transformed, to be changed and renewed. In fact, the transformation is so radical, so different, so 180 degrees different. In Philippians 1.21, he writes to the church in Philippi from prison, and he says, for me to live is Christ." And to die is gain. What a difference. What a transformation has taken place in the life of Saul. That he would breathe threats against the church. That he would persecute Jesus as we see in the encounter. And he goes on to say that transformation. For me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. All that I am, all that I have is Jesus. It's his. It's for him. It's from him, and it's by him that I will live here and now. What a transformation that's taken place. And so I ask you this morning, is the gospel something that offends you, that challenges you at your core? Or is it something that fuels you? That you are reminded of God's faithfulness, that God truly is for you, that God has gone through such great links to redeem you and restore you, to help you live fully alive in Christ. Does it fuel you or does it offend you? And either way, you have to respond. And our prayer is that it begins to transform you. What we see happening in this story is Saul has a lot of backstory. We love movies. We love to see the origin stories and, the, and where people came from in these things. And Saul's story is unique. Saul was born in Tarsus, a Jewish man, born in this Hellenistic culture that was now under the empire of Rome. So he's 100% Jewish in faith and family heritage Yet he's this Roman citizen that can speak Greek and understand that culture. He's also a very smart individual. He's studied under uh, one of the high Hebrew, uh, Hebrew leaders, one of the rabbis. One of the, if you want to put it in this context, one of the Ivy League schools. He understands the scriptures. 
He understands the Torah and the law of God. He knew all the practices. He practiced them religiously. And yet he continued to miss something. What we see very interestingly in the passage is as though his eyes were opened, he was blind. Though his eyes were opened, he couldn't see anything. And for many of us, this is where we find ourselves, with backstory and with pieces of our lives that have happened, heartache, disappointment, highs and lows, joys and sadness. And our eyes are open, but yet we do not see. Saul thought he had it figured out. Saul thought he was following God and obeying him. Yet in his religious nature, he missed Jesus. He missed the Savior. Some scholars even believe because of the similarities in their ages and their proximity in Jerusalem, Saul heard Jesus speak numerous times. His eyes were opened, but he couldn't see. His eyes were opened, and he couldn't see. I want you to understand this morning that every part of your journey allows the light of God to shine through. Every part of your journey allows the light of God to shine through like a spotlight. God shows up in the life of Saul and God has shown up in our lives. The light of the gospel, the truth of who Jesus is, fully God and fully man, come to redeem and restore, to live the life we can never live and die the death we deserve. And when the light shines, it does something to us. It reveals things about us. Saul, looking back on his journey, may say, I don't, I don't know about this part, God. I, I feel bad for my heritage here. I feel bad for this experience. And Saul's journey continues to move on through shipwrecks and through heartache and through being thrown out of cities and through having uh, what the scriptures tell us, a thorn in his flesh, a thing that forced his dependency on God. Every part of his journey allows the light of Christ to shine through. And what many of us don't want is that spotlight to shine into our lives because it reveals ultimately our deep need. For Saul, for too long in the dark with his eyes open and blinded yet, he lived in his own strength, his self-sufficiency, Yet the light of the gospel reveals our deep need that we cannot be satisfied apart from the work of God through Jesus Christ. We cannot be satisfied apart from the work of God through Jesus Christ. And when that light shines in our lives, it begins to reveal cracks and brokenness and hurt and sin, things that keep us from being who God created us to be. Saul understood this. And he wrote to the church in Corinth, in 2 Corinthians 4, 6 through 7, he says this, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, let light shine out of darkness. This is how our God works in ways that we don't understand sometimes. He has shown in our hearts, that light has shown up, it is a spotlight revealing things in us to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God, the knowledge of God, knowledge of the glory of God in the face 
of Jesus Christ. John tells us Jesus is the light of the world, and that light is the life of men. The light of the gospel is this treasure, verse 7. But we have this treasure, the knowledge of the glory of God, the gospel, the good news, that we can be redeemed and restored by Jesus Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay. That's you and me. To show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. God shines in us this light of hope, revealing our brokenness, and we have to deal with it. We have to address the things in us. And sometimes that can be scary. Sometimes we can feel alone and isolated in that. But here's the reality. You can allow that self-centered thinking like, oh, if people knew this about me, they wouldn't like me. Or if I revealed my weaknesses, I couldn't be the person, I couldn't be respected in my business or my family or whatever that is. Saul, Paul, through the grace of God, through the light shining in his life, revealing his great need for Jesus Christ, he realizes that light is meant to shine back through him. That in his weaknesses... He tells the Corinth church, in my weakness, God's power is seen and made known. In my weakness, the power of God is seen. And it says that in 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect. It is completed. It is whole in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I had a friend tell me one time, hey, Luke, when you are willing to fully embrace the love and the grace that God has for you, something will shift in you. Something will change in you. And I've been doing ministry for a pretty long time now, like 15 years or something like that. And I've always thought that I've had to have it figured out. I've always thought that I need to be the smartest guy in the room. I need to be able to understand the Greek and the Hebrew, and I need to be a great public speaker, and I need to be able to have the right counseling things and the right words to say to encourage students and parents. I need to put myself forward in the best light. Therefore, I don't want the spotlight of God's conviction and his grace to shine on me because that means i got to deal with me. i got to deal with some stuff in my heart, those broken places. And when the light shined on me, that friend showed up and he said, Luke, when you're really ready, when you're really ready to embrace the grace that God has for you, you won't try to lead with a strong foot. You're going to take a step forward first with the broken foot. You will allow your weakness to be on display so that the glory and the gospel of Jesus Christ will be seen through you. It's not about us. God in his mercy is showing up with the good news that there is life and there is hope. When we encounter Jesus Christ, that his grace would be sufficient this morning for us. And every day. And so I don't know where you are in your journey. I don't know what story you're bringing into this place. But I have some good news. 
That's some good news that you can respond to this morning in faith. That you don't have to lead with the good leg this morning. You can take a step with the broken one, where it hurts, where it is cracked, where you feel weakest. You can take that step forward because your God loves you and is with you and his grace, his grace, his grace is sufficient for you. And so this morning, I invite you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by your encounter with Jesus Christ, that you are not by yourself. That you don't have to do it on your own. Take a step forward with a broken foot and allow the people of God to help you and to walk with you so that you will be transformed by your encounter. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient. I pray, God, this morning that so many of us will be reminded of this truth, that your grace is sufficient, that the gospel is true, and that you are alive, Jesus Christ. So may we be men and women that will allow our encounter with you to be the catalyst for transformation for others. God, have your way in us. May we no longer lead with the strong leg where we present ourselves broken and weak so that your glory, your strength, and your power would shine. Help us respond today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.